If you know, you know. And if you don't know, you're about to find out. February is Black History Month, and I just have to say I am feeling absolutely blessed and grateful to have been able to sit down with today's guest and celebrate this amazing culture and history. Let's go. Hi, I'm Cola Schippentower, and this is the Enough is Enough podcast, the show where we talk about everything and anything from politics to relationships, from fitness to sex and everything in between. We talk with individuals who have said enough is enough and are ready to speak what's on their hearts. Okay, so we're going to get into it. I just have to start off right off the bat. We just covered this is that this is our very first virtual recording session and and it's going to be different very different. So a couple of housekeeping things. I do want to remind everybody that's listening is that here at the EIE podcast, we do not have any sort of filters. There's very limited editing. And what our guests talk about is exactly what they're feeling and what's on their hearts. And uh, I definitely try to stress that they can speak however they like. So if certain vocabulary is used, we're totally okay with that here. We're all adults, and I mean, most of us are adults. There could be kids, but, you know, we just try to leave it open. So I'm excited about this, so I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it. We are going to be talking with Miss Imani, who I met through the Turnip Squad, I want to say back in April of 2020. I think that's when I joined the Turnip Squad, and just super-duper quick, um, we got one smart cookie here. She was actually a PhD student working on her psychology degree and now she's a life coach and I'm not going to go into all that like on my own. I'm going to let her introduce herself. So Miss Mani. Oh, yay. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here finally. Um, yes. Yes. So my name is Imani Nicole. I am from Birmingham, Alabama and I'm a certified life coach. And so I have a namesake life coaching business, Imani Nicole. Um, I'm also a life coach with Internal Squad that you mentioned, which is an online dance fitness community. And I'm also a support coach within a date coaching business. So I get around. <laughs> you make your rounds, you make your rounds. Definitely, yes. So that is what I do. and. The heart and core of what I do within my life coaching is I help women trust themselves and trust their intuition again. And that can manifest in countless ways. So that can range from anywhere from a career change, from wanting to start a business or even wanting to date again, right? And across all of those different, like, scopes and arenas, what it ultimately boils down to is hearing women say, can I really trust myself and my decisions? So I'm really, really passionate about like instilling that self-trust and empowering women to trust themselves again. And I just have... And I just have to say from like a personal perspective, after joining the Turnip Squad, I had joined during the beginning of the pandemic and it was like, what are we doing? We're all in the middle of trying to figure out this virtual working from home, no one's going anywhere, quarantine lifestyle. And honestly, I had joined the Turnip Squad and we'll get more into detail as to what the Turnip Squad is, but I joined it as a way to keep myself motivated to get out of bed, essentially. Because at the time you were running the power hours at like 
7.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it got me motivated to get up and out of bed. And I just thought it was going to be like, oh, okay, um, I'm not big on meditation. I'm not really big on journaling, but I'll be there just to, just to try it out. And just your approach with the meditations and what you suggest is really, really empowering because you put a lot of thought into it, but not just suggesting other people do it. You're walking the walk, not just talking the talk. It's things that you are personally using. And then the journaling prompts really allow us to dig really deep into whatever it is for that almost that week. There's almost like a theme every week that we're all going through. And you seem to hit the nail on the head every single time. And even like Martin Luther King Day, it was like you had a prompt about freedom. And I was like, this is super appropriate for this time right now that we're even going to journal on this. So personally for me, in my own journey, you had really inspired me to hone in on writing. And I've never been much of a writer. Like grammatically correct, yes, I can do all that. But really deep thoughts and putting pen to paper, you really did that for me. So I have to say, like, even with your life coaching stuff, I know it's, it's amazing for a lot of people who are able to participate. Oh, gosh, thanks for that, Cola. And I love that you say that you're not a writer. And the thing is, you don't have to be in terms of like, journaling and things like that. All you're doing is putting your thoughts on paper so they're not swimming in your head and consuming you all day. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. So you don't have to be super, like, grammatically correct. You don't have to do anything like that, you know? It's just you and your thoughts. And if you can't be real with yourself, who in the hell are you going to be real with? Absolutely. <laughs> you know? So what had gotten you started with the shift from PhD, school, psychology, all of that into your own business now? Yeah, so it's so funny you ask that because um, I've always wanted to be like a counselor before I knew what life coaching was. Um, I just had a pull and I was the, the friend that people would come to when they wanted to talk something out or anything like that. Like even in elementary school, you know, my friends would just like come to me wanting to talk. And I wanted to, what what the shift was for me was I took an AP psychology class in high school and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. Like I found it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a therapist or a counselor. Totally. Yes. And then my parents, I love them so much. They said, you're going to have to be in school forever. And you're not even going to make all that money, that much money when you do get that degree. So like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, shit, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, my physics teacher, um, I took physics in high school and she said, you know, you're really good at physics. You should be a chemical engineer. I'm like, all right, cool. So I ended up majoring in chemical engineering in undergrad. And I hated my life every single day. It was the worst possible decision I could have ever made. Um, And I remember like having a breakdown in my dorm room. And I was like, okay, this absolutely not. This has to change. And I told my parents, I was like, okay, I like, sorry, not sorry. 
this is what this is what I'm doing. I'm changing my degree back to psychology. And they were like, all right, cool. So I did and I was so fulfilled, so fantastic. And I felt great in what I was doing. And um, wanting to I thought about wanting to be a counselor, but then it was my own thoughts that was holding me back from doing that. And I was saying things like, oh, well, people don't need their therapist crying with them because I'm I'm an empath and I'm I'm deeply empathetic. And that was my own limiting beliefs. Right. So I was like, OK, well, I'll just do research. Fine, whatever. And so um, ended up getting my master's and going to into a Ph.D. program. And that's when I started feeling the pull even more like that's when the call started getting louder have you ever seen frozen 2 yes okay so you know like in the beginning where elsa is like sleeping and she like hears the call and it's like waking her up at night yep the little oh literally (laughs) yes that was me i i couldn't ignore it anymore and i like put it out in the universe it was my first year in my program and put it out in the universe. I was like, you know, if, if this is, if this is meant for me, cool, but I really don't think so. Please make a way for it to happen. Either counseling, whatever the case may be. And I ended up getting, um, an advising position for undergrad psychology students. And I, I was like, okay, like this is, this is, it. you know those like full body yeses that was that was it for me and I was like okay I have to I have to do this um and then I started talking to my friend Lily who I actually work with within the day coaching business date phrasing and she was like Imani have you ever heard of life coaching and I was like no what's that <laughs> and so and so she told me everything about life coaching is and helping people move forward in their lives and breaking barriers and changing their mindset I was like okay this is really really dope and she sent me a link to like a couple life coach trainings and the rest is the rest is history Wow. To have that pull would be amazing. Because I know there's some people that are still like, what am I doing? What am I going to do when I grow up? And I think a lot of us are still waiting for that pull, that that huge shift that's saying this is where you should be going. So for people that don't know, what would you say is the difference between counseling slash therapy as opposed to life coaching? Yeah. So counseling and therapy is really focused on healing the past wounds. Um, and so there's an emphasis on like, you know, why that happened, how it manifests in your life now, and really healing that. And the difference between that and life coaching is like, within life coaching, yes, you do revisit that because it does affect your behavior. The difference is that you are moving forward. in like, pushing past those limiting behaviors, right? So a life coach is basically like a personal trainer for your goals. So life coaches help you become accountable. They help you shift your mindset so you can get to where it is that you want to go. They even help you hone in on those goals. If they feel 
unfuzz, you know, if they feel fuzzy or unclear, that's what a life coach helps you do. I feel it. And I just read Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Started it for the obvious reason. But he had this interesting perspective on journaling or writing because he's been writing since he was 12 years old. And he said that at the time he was writing in order to forget. And that kind of really resonated with me because when I had started journaling with you back in April, that's kind of what I was processing was writing it down so I could just get it out of my mind. Like you said, getting your thoughts onto paper so it's not just whirling around in your brain. But as the journey has progressed and by the end of 2020, I found myself looking back at my writing in order to move forward. So I really felt the life coaching perspective on that because I've been in counseling. I've done therapy sort of stuff. And it's very, let's just sit here and talk about past traumas. Let's figure out why it's affecting now. Where when usually people are going to counseling and therapy, they're like, tell me what to do so then I can feel better or get through this situation. So I would even say on a personal recommendation, life coaching is so much better than counseling or therapy. I won't I won't downplay what counseling and therapy does for some people, but for I'm an Enneagram three with a wing two. I can't remember what were you again? Yeah, so I'm an Enneagram two with equal wings. What was the title for a two? The helper. The helper. Yep. yep. Feel it. <laughs> you know, sense. I should really read up on the rest of them because I'm like, what Enneagram are you? Oh wait, now you have to describe it to me. I want to be able to, like, people tell me, like, I'm a four or five and be like, oh, yep, you totally are, or anything like that. So, but we keep mentioning the turnip squad and turnip in general. So, what would be your overall definition? Oh, wow. So, for me, the definition of turnip is living so unapologetically and so, like, authentically that you just inspire others to do the same by default. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I love being able to talk to the different ladies that we have in the group. And then Rick, I'm pretty sure we could ask him the same thing. And we would all say unapologetically. Yes. Because this world is so full of people telling us, no, no, no. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Oh, no, that's too bright. Where we're like, sorry we always want to apologize and naturally as women we always want to apologize and i that's what i really love about the squad is that when we're there we're constantly reminding each other like you ain't got to apologize there's no need for that right yeah so what is your role with the squad now yeah so um after two and a half years i'm now a life coach within turnip squad so as you were saying i lead power hours where we meditate together, we journal together, then we have an open space to share whatever it is that we journaled about. Um, We have, now we have group coaching sessions, which light my soul on fire in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, And I also offer one-on-ones within the squad. So it's really cool. And I also get to help Tansy with the different challenges. So it's, it's a really cool role that I never would have even dreamed that I would have ever had. I'm so thankful. And I have to say you do like an absolutely amazing job. I, I could see the shift for some ladies when they're really starting to work through some 
either past traumatic situations or even what they're currently going through, you just have this approach that really allows people to feel safe and they can allow their vulnerability to shine through as a strength rather than a weakness. And then being able to hone in on that and being able to speak what they have going on in their mind, on their hearts, everything like that. And my, one of my fave things about Power Hour is that every so often there'll be such a powerful prompt that we're writing on that some of the other ladies who have really been able to navigate through their own lives in such a, I, I, I don't know if successful is the best way, but you, you have some, you have some OGs in there that are like, they've learned some things and they've been around the block a couple of times. So when they're able to come on and just start sharing uh, any sort of, sort of advice or their own experiences, it's this huge, just overwhelming power within that group. And it makes you just want to do better. And it, even though we're so virtual right now and everything's through zoom and all these other platforms, it resonates in everyday life with our families, with our businesses, with our fitness journeys, with our wellness and everything. So those power hours are literally that power hours. Yeah, I love hearing the different perspectives of everyone. And what my favorite thing is, you know, I I come up with these prompts and I think it's going to go in, you know, one like a certain way and then somebody will come on and share and they'll say, "Oh, well, I approached it differently. Here's how I approached it. That's my favorite thing in the world is to hear different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. And with all of the things that you've done for the turnip squad and just your involvement with it this so far, um, what have you been able to receive in all of this work? Oh my gosh. Like a sense of fulfillment that, I can't even put words to like, I feel like, and this is, I've told Tansy, the creator of turn up squad, this, like, I don't know if I would have been able to find the courage to step into what I feel is my purpose without it. And that's so, so powerful to me that I feel like I'm able to now fulfill my purpose and, ignite a shift in other people too that is so powerful and you you can't put a price on that I mean you know it's it's wild and it's just so fulfilling to see that and to see people grow the one thing that I found that the squad really exudes is confidence I mean, every once in a while, we'll have we'll have some people that are like, I'm just really having a rough day. Like, I'm not digging how I look in this or how I feel in doing that. And of course, we're human. We're all going to have those down moments. But I will say that usually when we're maybe feeling like we're lacking one area, it's because that confidence is in another. And I can say from personal experience that even here locally, people have noticed. They've seen it. They're like, what are you doing? What's going on? There's this glow. There's just this happiness. I'm like, yo, there's power behind twerking and bumping and grinding for a workout. Like you just, right? need, you just need to experience it for yourself. And that's the amazing thing is it's such a ripple effect. Cause even for those of us that are instructors, we teach a class and then we hear it and we feel it in those classes. We get the energy, we get the vibe. And all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, I didn't know I could feel like that just after a workout. Mm -hmm. And that's been one thing I've been able to see is just 
all the ladies just exude so much confidence. Yes, yes. And like to piggyback off of what you were saying, like confidence is totally like a muscle that you have to train. Like I, I was not any in any position to like be even even talking to you right now on a podcast would be like out of this world impossible to me right and turn up just puts you in these like uncomfortable situations and not like dangerous or anything i i remember the first <laughs> the first thing i was like this bitch is crazy i'm about to like <laughs> leave <laughs> she challenged us to um she challenged us to put on our favorite song and dance on instagram stories like two and a half years ago it was like one of the first things that she had us do and i was still in my phd program at the time and I was like, no, she's lost it. I'm going to have to delete my whole Instagram or leave. <laughs> like, she, you know, like, she doesn't understand. Like, my mentor is following me. I have, like, this is going to live forever. I can't, absolutely not. No. But I did it anyway. I was like, you know what? A few vodka shots later, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to report that I'm able to now dance on Instagram without vodka shots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and- it's this, it's almost a societal norm that we're supposed to conduct ourselves as ladies. And for some reason, dancing the way we want to in public is not ladylike. And I feel for me, it being a little bit of a cultural barrier, because as Native women, we're supposed to be very stoic and very poised in how we move and how we operate and things like that. So even in Indian country, bringing the turn up to it has been mind blowing for some. And I work really closely with a world champion jingle dress dancer who is viral with almost every single video that she posts and she's one of the most elegant graceful looking people that you see but the fact that I've got her in her studio twerking and doing the thing I'm like y'all see this is like hidden potential that y'all didn't know and then when she's done with the class she's like this just totally blew my mind I'm so used of just my upright movements and doing powwow things and now you got me in here doing these crazy things that I've only ever seen done in clubs on the weekends and now I'm doing it just because I can as a workout it provides this huge shift for women it really does yeah yeah oh it's so good it's amazing and another awesome thing that I love about the squad is the diversity and the all the different backgrounds all the different colors that are represented in that group allows us to be unified and so we'll kind of use this as a segue into the next section of our conversation today february is black history month which i absolutely love i mean native americans we got november and y'all got february so (laughs) how are you celebrating bhm yeah so I have honestly been racking my brain about this because I was like, you know, what am I going to do differently than what I'm already doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but I am now being really intentional and really conscious about immersing myself in black art and um, supporting black businesses 
and you know it back in the before times when we could actually travel like I would you know I would have happily like went to Atlanta to you know the Black History Museum and it which I highly recommend anybody go to um it's amazing and I'm actually in Birmingham Alabama now where that's such a rich and painful history, you know, within being the heart of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So just being aware and being proud of that too, you know, um, is just amazing. And a few unconventional ways that I am choosing to celebrate Black history, because I feel like in a way I am Black history. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Say it again. Say it again. (laughs) I am Black history. Hey, there you go. Period. So, like, an unconventional way to celebrate that for me can also look like going against the grain of what is, you know, societally, societally, sociologically (laughs) available. (laughs) Words are hard. They are. for For Black people. So, you know, celebrating Black History Month for me can look like signing up for therapy it, to prioritize my mental health. It can look like working on my business because that historically has not been celebrated. You know, when the Black Wall Street was burned to the ground, you know, and unlearning some of those, you know, lessons that were you know, instilled in me growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood and school my whole life, that is what celebrating Black History Month looks like for me. Awesome. So just taking care of you and making sure your resiliency stays intact and you keep pushing forward and doing the thing. So a really tough time and I'm in Oregon where I'll be honest, Eastern Oregon doesn't have a very large black community. And I can almost say without a doubt that I almost know the whole black community in our town. I have a son who's part black. And so a good majority of the black community is his family. And it's really, really small. So last year during a really pivotal time in our most current history, Black Lives Matter happened. And this is May and June when the protesting and the marches and everything were happening. What what was it like for you? You're in the South, you're in Alabama. So what did that look like for you? Um, that was honestly one of the most traumatic things that I've ever seen. The The death of George Floyd was, it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. So um, I know for me, I personally did a lot of um, a lot of checking in with myself to make sure that I was okay and how I can still show up for the people that needed me to show up. Um, but there was, I mean, like many of cities around the nation saw, you know, Alabama had a lot of protests too. Um, And, you know, I feel like the, the South is always really 
interesting to live in as a black person um especially living in a red state that i feel will probably always be red um it's it's just really frustrating to hear things like oh they should protest this way or oh if he hadn't you know whatever the case you know and explaining away how this happened and it's just it's it's just it's wild to to kind of see like the push and pull between the you know people who were on the side of black lives matter and the people who weren't and and i can't lie there was a lot of tension Mm -hmm. absolutely so as a native american woman today depending on where i'm at the type of negativity hostility or racism that i experience can be very different and if I leave the reservation, there's some there's some racism. There's still a lot of stereotypes being thrown around about Native Americans that we are very much just alcoholics. We probably still live in teepees. Did I burn a wagon on my way there? Or just just kind of really ignorant things can be said and thrown around. And what I really like about this podcast is a good majority of our listeners are are from Indian country. So I feel it really important to be able to kind of educate our listeners because we know our side. We, we, we experience it every single day. We, we know what's going on. And there's also this same weird lateral violence between natives is, well, how much is your blood quantum? Are you enrolled? Then there's also, which tribe are you from? Oh, you're from there. They're pretty ghetto or they're pretty resi. That's what we say when we say ghetto. And so there's even that perspective. So what is it like for you, you're saying that it's still pretty present in Alabama. So are you experiencing any sort of that negativity or hostility even day to day still? Um, still, I would say, I mean, honestly, I'm in my house a lot of the time. So I am shielded from like a lot of interaction um, with people who would probably have things to say but um I know for me like growing up it wasn't always so blatant um I know like the it would it would always it would always be these subtle remarks and these um microaggressions that make you second guess yourself um so it'll be a comments that will make you think, oh, well, maybe maybe that wasn't all that racist, or maybe I'm overthinking that. Um, so I know in my experience, I never had anyone, like, to my face, like, you know, call me in, in word or anything like that. Um, but I have, you know, been in stores where, you know, I'm watched more closely. Um, and, you know, just things like that it's it's taxing it's really taxing 
What do you do? Because I've had that happen before, where if I walk into a store like a mall that's nearby about 45 minutes away, so they're they're pretty well aware of the reservation and the community that we have in our area. Um, how, how do you normally handle that then? Yeah, um, I wish that I could say that I'm like, you know, screw you. Like, do you know why you're, do- you know? Um, but if I'm being completely honest with myself and the listeners, I just leave because it's, it's on it. Like, I feel like at, it depends on where I'm at. Like, I just feel like I have to protect my peace. And in the moment, sometimes it's like, what do, like, what do I even say? You know, because you're so like almost not surprised, but you're just kind of like in this state of like, what well, I can't believe that, you know, I'm being followed right now, you know? So like, what am I even going to say to this person? Um, so it, like in the moment I do what's best for me and I just, I just leave. Yeah. We, when we go shopping, my husband and I are both very much indigenous native people and we look like it. All my boys and my husband all have long hair, which is kind of weird for some people. And we've, we've had this situation happen where when we walk into a store, people will look at us and I wish I had as much restraint as you do. Cause I'm very quick to be like, I ain't stealing anything. I am super loud. And my husband's like, Oh, I'm going to put this down and start going. Cause if they say something back to her, like I feel sorry for them. Cause then he's like, let me go back out this way. And <laughs> it's been really interesting. Cause I've gotten one of two responses of, Oh no, 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 no. That's not why I was, I was just making sure you didn't need help. And then it's, it usually, which is really weird when you get this sort of like I don't want to call myself aggressive. When you get this passionate voice behind everything that you say, then what I've experienced now, and especially after this past year, is an opening for a conversation. Because for Native Americans, our resiliency lies a lot in our sense of humor. So it's not just me coming at them like, why are you following me? It's usually like, I ain't stealing nothing. Like, calm down and just let you know I got more than enough money to pay for whatever it is that I want in this bougie shop anyways. So then usually they kind of like, they'll, they'll chuckle and then they'll be like, okay, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, no. I said, but honestly, like, you might want to be careful the next time because it, it does look like you're kind of targeting people. And it's been able to open up for some people where a good majority of nowadays retail shops are are younger people and they haven't been able to have this conversation yet. So, um, but definitely I can, I can see why just depending on the area you're in, because Alabama could be very different than Oregon and Washington where, where there's a a lot of natives, but Alabama has got to be much different. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely still some historical context that still at play here oh yeah absolutely and I remember a power hour that we had one morning and you were very honest with us saying that you didn't know how you were going to show up for us that day and very quickly like Miss Judy and a couple of the other ladies hopped on they're like no we're going to talk about this because this is fucking bullshit that this is happening right now and it was a really weird and interesting dynamic within that group because you have a lot of ladies that have um, spouses that are in the military or in law enforcement. So it did open up a pretty good conversation because we had a lot of uh, lack of a better way to describe it to the listeners. We had a lot of white 
ladies in there that were like, I don't know how to feel in this and I don't know how to advocate for you and say something. So what do I need to do? But then what do I do? Because my husband's in law enforcement. So which side do I take? So that conversation that morning got really, really heavy, but I feel like a a lot of progress was made. Do you, do you feel like that kind of came up in the group? Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I 100% agree. And, um, and I can, I mean, I understand the push pull between like, like, I, I get it of like, you know, my husband is military, you know, law enforcement. And also this is a really awful thing that happened, but like, it doesn't, I fall in the camp of like, it doesn't have to be like what side, like life is both and, you know, like it can totally be in, you know, a both and situation, not an either or. Absolutely. And I feel like in this country, that's what was created during this time was division. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, it was either you were for or you're against or you were here for black people or for white people or for troublemakers or law enforcement. And even in our own home, it was a very interesting dynamic because I'm very much um, an activist and I speak what is on my mind and I do so unapologetically. And if I hurt your feelings, let's have a conversation about it. And I'll tell you how I didn't intend for it to hurt your feelings, but I'm not going to invalidate mine to make you feel better about yours. Along with my husband being in law enforcement, And so when we had marches and everything happening in our area, I had a a, a little bit of a weird feeling about it because I'm like, we're in the Northwest. And honestly, I don't feel like we face this type of volatile like racism like some areas do. I feel like we should recognize how blessed we are with that because it's not as bad. But I've also been on the other side of the fence of being treated horribly and the prejudice and injustice that I I've faced in my own personal journey with law enforcement I have PTSD from it but then I'm also like oh my husband's a cop so he's got a job to do he's protecting our treaty rights and what we have going on so it created this really weird like I don't want to say imbalance because it wasn't really arguments because we really do have open conversations about this but it was kind of weird even in our community like what do we do and then there's the thought that I have is I have a son who is very large for his age. He's he's a big boy. Like he's almost bigger than me and he's only 10 years old. And that's genetics. That's all of his makeup. And so what I get worried about is what if he is walking down the street and someone decides to say something to him and it's seen as aggressive because of his size. And that's what I get worried about. Yeah. And those are those are absolutely valid feelings and fears all of them, all of them. And I think the key is just, you know, going with what is right in your heart and knowing that you don't have to choose because a human experience is 1000% like complicated. It's not black and white, mm-hmm. no, you know, no pun intended. It's very, <laughs> it's very much in the gray, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that, reminds me is a lot of people were like well I'm colorblind and I'm like I'm not asking you to be colorblind recognize me for my culture recognize the fact that I'm red like I'm proud of it so don't try to mute me out that's not what I'm saying just recognize it 
A hundred percent. And I mean, I just, I get exhausted when I hear, oh, I'm colorblind or, oh, color doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. I'm like, like, show me what color this hand is when I come upside your face with it. So I smack some sense into you. Like, what color is it now? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me you're colorblind. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like you were saying, it's so problematic because it absolutely washes away the experiences of people who identify as black and you know all of these different races like it it affects how we move about the world mm-hmm. so to say like you're colorblind is just like it's like okay like you don't see so you're saying you don't see me then yeah exactly and it's kind of like almost a another excuse to not just say it out loud I'm ignorant right teach me so and That's what was really hard about last year, and especially with BLM, was it involved races, it involved careers, it involved politics, huge. And I think a lot of those, what creates more tension and just stress around it is pride. People don't want to admit when they are wrong, where in their gut, they're probably like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or, oh, my gosh, I probably really said the worst wrong thing I could have in this situation. And what I've really appreciated with the group of women that we we get to surround ourselves with and we're absolutely blessed with is that ego, like no ego amigo is completely out of there and we're all proud of our accomplishments. We're all proud of the work that we're doing, but it doesn't come out as pride and narcissist or anything like that. Because I, you were there, I've had my own personal experience where somebody said something, they said Pocahontas. And when I'm trying to navigate through that feeling and just trying to figure out like, okay, why was it said? How was it said? Who said it? This is interesting. And the women in that group, which I think a lot of people should be able to take from is she was quick to admit to her fault. And she's like, I am so ignorant to that. I am so sorry. And now that I think back on it, yes, it sounded really, really racist. And I really didn't want it to be. I am so sorry. Like, and she was open. She's like, teach me. And I think we need a lot more of that in the world. A thousand percent agree. I think, and I'll just sound like Miss America, but I honestly think the world would be such a better place if, more people were willing to listen and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I love about months like this. Like you said, you, you do things every single day. You live your life. You're a strong, resilient black woman in America doing your thing and killing the game, which I absolutely love. And you do this every single day. And then I feel this and I can respect that because for us, we're like, we're given a month. Yay. Like we can celebrate Native American culture and all this stuff. But this is me every single day. This is how I live my life. But I love that we actually have a month that we can celebrate black history and really be able to get into it. Um, Do you have anyone from the black community as like a hero? Someone that you've always looked up to? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Like there's so many, you have to choose just one. (laughs) I know. Right. Like literally, um, one of my 
and this is like this is so cliche and I almost stopped myself from saying it because I'm like oh my god but like Oprah is literally one of my heroes girl that's like everybody <laughs> that's literally everybody and like I went through this phase when I was little when I was just convinced that Oprah was my auntie Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I got that from, but just, just she just emanates grace and beauty and what it means to like blaze a path. And she is just, she's everything. I love her so much. And I feel the same way about Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to be her. I, you know, she, the, the way she carries herself with such grace in everything that she does and taking the high road all the time is just something to be admired. And I just, those are, those are the two that I can come off, come up with at the top of my head. There's so many more. Oh, absolutely. And Michelle and Barack, the way they carry themselves, and a little inside joke that me and my husband have is, like, I have this this thing. I'm still, like, basically middle school. I have crushes on older people, and Obama is definitely on that list. I'm just like, oh, gosh, can you just talk to me? And I actually end up getting the audiobook of one of his books just to hear his voice. I'm like, you can just talk me to sleep. But right. <laughs> absolutely. The, the thing is, is that they're so they're so successful. They're so smart and educated and informed. And for everyone, I feel it really weird to say the people, um, but just for everyone, because they did a lot of advocacy work for Native Americans as well. I mean, Obama came to Pendleton like I was late on getting a ticket to be able to meet him, but he came here and was trying to make like a tour around to all the different reservations. And he did a lot for our people. And, but I also love that they're so, they're so real. I remember seeing videos of like Michelle on Instagram where she's like in a car. I can't remember his name, but she just starts like, she's rapping. I think it was like a little Wayne song and she just knew it word for word. I was like, and like you said about Oprah, like they are aunties. That's what we that's what we say. As soon as we know there's a strong female and we love them and respect them, that's auntie. I, I don't care. We, like, if we meet in person, my sons will probably call you auntie because they're going to be like, yep, we know her. She's good people. Like, that's our auntie. And, like, they introduce you to everybody as auntie. So th- those are aunties. <laughs> yes, yes. Love it. So what are some ways that you would love for other people to celebrate this month for Black History Month? Yeah, so honestly, continuing to educate yourself and, you know, the stereotypes and unlearning that and unpacking that within you. Um, And another way that I could suggest is supporting uh, supporting causes that support the betterment of Black people. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of my favorites is the Loveland Foundation, which... um, gives free therapy to black women um it which is absolutely incredible um and their her premise is that she doesn't turn anyone away there's no like you know application it's just a matter of like when you get when they get to you so i love that um you can donate to your local black lives matter chapter um 
buy from a black owned business, there's a wonderful website that I love called um, buyfromablackwoman.org. And it's this massive online directory of everything that you could ever want like from candles to coaches to lawyers to like whatever the case if they're on that if you need it it's on there um the last thing that i can think of is to celebrate and support black artists black poets black musicians um my favorite poet right now is amanda gorman who if you were looking at the biden inauguration she delivered that beautiful and iconic uh, poem yes I stand. <laughs> Absolutely. She is just, she is it right now. And I am so happy for her. Amazing. All yeah. right. Well, we usually cover like our heavier topics. Black History Month is definitely a month of celebration, but it does get into a little bit of generational cultural trauma, historical trauma, which I don't ever think that we should ever overlook. It's going to be there forever and it will always and forever affect our people your people, everyone. So I think um, the deep and heavy stuff is always super important to talk about. And it helps raise awareness. It helps educate and inform those that are most ignorant to the to the topic. But I always like to shift the end into a little bit lighter talk. So what is a current recommendation you have for Netflix right now? Ooh, oh, wow. Um, let's see, what have I been looking at? So I've heard really great things about Bridgerton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? I have not seen oh it. Oh but- my gosh. Okay, so if we're going to talk about strong, like, black people in the community, um, Reggae John was just nominated for his role in Bridgerton, along with, I can't remember her name, but... I love her her saying that she has in the show. She says, um, I decided that every room I entered, I was going to be the most dangerous creature. It was a dangerous creature or the scariest creature to enter that room. And you listen to her speak and it's just like, like she demands attention in that movie. Like both of them do. And it's amazing. Those two were nominated for this award. And so was Bridgerton. So if you haven't seen it, girl, you need to get on there. You'd be pregnant by episode six. For real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And like going on to things that I actually have seen. I love Shit's Creek. It's so funny, so light. And it really just alludes to like the LGBTQ community and like oh, wow. in such a beautiful light. And it's it's just funny. It's I love Shit's Creek. So good. It's been sitting in my queue. I should probably really start it. My problem is is that when I start these um these series is I can't stop. So right. I'm like I just go straight through. So but Same. what is a go-to meal? Like if you have um, like a no worry meal scheduled for the week, what is your go-to? Ooh, my go-to. Okay, so I have two. My go-to healthy meal, if I'm being good, is mm-hmm. like Quote, salmon. Unquote. <laughs> yeah, salmon and like some sort of vegetable. I love like, um, you know, broccoli, you know, all that shit. My, like, 
go to like a meal meal if I'm gonna like cheat cheat mm-hmm. is a really good juicy hamburger with like sweet potato fries, uh, ice yep. cream. Yes. Now yes. I'm hungry. It's lunchtime around here, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like now I'm getting hungry. Um, what was the last thing that you read? Like actual book. Open up, sit down book. Ooh. Does Kindle count? <laughs> yes, Kindle does count. Okay, so the last book that I read was called um, The War of Art. And it's basically about, like, getting through all the mindset blocks of, like, being a creative and just, like, sitting down and, like, doing your work, letting it flow through you. Highly, highly recommend. So good. Even if you're not an artist. Nice. I need to read more books. I do a lot of audios because I'm in the car a lot. So I just, and then also I love this thing where whoever it is that wrote it narrates it. So I don't recommend that with Bridgerton though, because it's not Julie Andrews because she's the one that narrates Bridgerton. So I expect her to be the one to narrate the book. And so I couldn't buy that book when people told me, you know, it's a book and a series, you got to listen to it. You got to, I'm like, this is going to be like some 50 shades of gray shit probably. But, um, that threw me off. So the, the war of art. Yes. Okay. I'll have to remember that one. And what is one thing that can instantly make your day better? Uh, dancing. Yay. There you go. Yes. Impromptu dance parties for sure. You're always posting them too. You're like, I know. dance, dance, dance. <laughs> I feel like there's everybody in the squad. We're just like, we just dance. We just dance all the time. Like, don't stop us. <laughs> we literally just dance through life. We really do. <laughs> I feel like that's the best way to do it. So, all right. This has been an amazing conversation. I absolutely love you. This has been so much fun to be able to just dive into these topics, super important topics. Do you have anything you want to leave our listeners with or anything like that? Yes. So um, you can find me at Imani Nicole on Instagram. So that's I-M-A-N-I-N-E-K-O-H-L. I know it's a little different. Um, <laughs> um, you can find me on my website, ImaniNicole.com. Um, and if you found me on the podcast, say, Hey, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you again. So, so much. We'll make sure to include all of your social medias, all the links, all your resources and references that you made today in the show notes. This has been amazing and I cannot wait for the next conversation. I already know. I have a good feeling. February is a good month. Thank you for listening to the enough is enough podcast. If you would like more information on our host, guests, or podcast episodes, please visit us on Instagram at EIE541.